0: So if you met me in real life, pre-recovery, you'd find me funny and charming and engaging and because that's how people saw me, under it all, under it all. Yeah, I was really hurt. And the truth is, hurt people hurt people. And that's what I did.
1: Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. best way to support the show is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or ratings on iTunes, please do. It helps more people find our show. And if you want to be on it, please shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis Gant. Today I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with? Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Jay. Now, Jay, I have a question for you. Dun dun dun. What is your secret?
0: Well, the truth is, at this day, place, and time, Mm -hmm. I don't have any. I've been in recovery for uh, sex and love addiction uh, since 1991. That's Mm -hmm. 29 years. And I've written two books.
1: Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I've been
0: in the field for over 20 years. And so I'm a kind of open book kind of guy.
1: But the lovely thing is that you used to have a ton of secrets, and you've oh, gone I, through them and got on the other side of them.
0: Right, and and you know what? My first sponsor told me, you know, twenty nine years ago, and because I was an out person, I was a personality, mm-hmm. uh, not to the degree as you, but it, it, I was in the basketball world, and uh, I was known, and um, I loved to talk and to mingle and to do that deal. Um, as part of the persona. And my sponsor told me that I was the kind of guy who would share 95% of me with almost anybody I ever met, but the 5% I wouldn't give to anybody.
1: So you were, you were an overshare. I was not, I was one of those addicts that kept everything a secret. I compartmentalized every detail of my life.
0: I I shared is, you know, I pushed the envelope Mm -hmm. for what what healthy boundaries are, because I didn't have any healthy boundaries.
1: Yeah, we usually don't.
0: (laughs) And so I overshared, except for five percent of me that -hmm. I didn't tell anybody. And going back to your intro, that's the five percent I was going to take to the grave.
1: Right, right. Well, my first question for you, because I love talking to the opposite sex about this, and I have to tell you, it has been very hard for me to get guests, a male guest, to talk about being a sex and love addict. I thought this was going to be the easiest. I I do not know. I have had five people cancel on me.
0: Oh, Isn't and that crazy? It's and I have all these finished?
1: women talking about it, but I cannot get a guy to discuss well, it with me.
0: And, and I'll tell you why I, I have a, a, a premise. Okay, premise tell me. The premise is that if you look at Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, mm-hmm. it's the S behavior that gets the men in the room and historically, it's the L behavior that gets the women in the room.
1: I think initially that's correct. But when initially, you dig deep, initially, it usually the males usually have a problem with
0: love addiction. A 100%. lot. 100%. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and the women have their own issues around sexuality mm-hmm. because they use sexuality as currency to get love. Exactly. And so... Um, But but so a guy could come in the room and he'll say, yeah, I'm a sex addict, but he'll never identify as sex and love addict. And the woman will say she's a love addict, but she won't want to identify as a sex and love addict for most of the part. Now, of course, there are exceptions. Uh, but most of the time, that's the way it presents itself in the rooms.
1: Yeah, I I actually agree with you. 11 years ago when I got into the rooms, I would say that's correct. But I have to tell you, the last couple of years, it's changed. It There's been changed. a ton of more women willing to say, I am a sex and love addict than right. just saying, I'm a love addict.
0: Right. And the, the fact of the matter is... Um, I've asked, uh, you know, I was, uh, I I just uh, kind of semi-retired. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I'm not all the way out. I'm just partially out. I'm out as much as I want to be out of it. Yeah. I was about Um, to say,
1: you probably made that choice.
0: Yeah, I made that choice 100%. And uh, I I have a program in Seattle, Washington, based in Seattle where I live, and it's called No More Secrets. Ooh. And uh, it's uh, uh, jparker.org. For anybody who wants to go see my ninety-five blogs, and um, you know, I, I would and I would work with couples, and I would work with women individually, and I, of course I would work with men, mm-hmm. and I would ask the women, "Did you ever do a consensual sexual act that was against your moral anchor?"
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Consensual, yeah, yeah, and the answer is always yes,
1: always yes, always,
0: always yes. Always, yes. And, and that's using sex as currency.
1: Yeah. And I have to tell you, a lot of women that I speak to say they've said it's easier to just do it than to have the repercussions of not doing it.
0: Correct. And and for the men, you know, uh, one of the things that our program uh, uh, pushes for couples, especially if there's betrayal, is for the couple of do no contact.
1: With and each I other. I mean a
0: hard, I mean a hard no contact. Yeah. And you watch the men go through withdrawal, not because of the sexuality, but because they don't have their real drug of choice this is their partner.
1: Well, I love to say, Jay, I just have to say to the listeners, you were one of the first people to reach out to me after I wrote the Huff Post article. That's how we met. You reached out yep. and said, I honor you, you coming out like this. I think it's so brave and you told me your story and that's how we, we met each other. And I yep. just was so grateful that someone with so many years can reach out and, and, you know, cause you have a lot more years on me.
0: <laughs> well, it's just, it's just time. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, it's just time. Um, my sponsor told me a long time ago, the person with the most recovery today is the person who got up first. Mm, mm-hmm. And I, I slept in, so you probably won. <laughs> <laughs> <Well>.
1: <laughs> but to go back to what you said about a guy uh, having a withdrawal from their addiction of the female, the Correct. love addiction, I remember one of them, in the first year, I remember this man coming into the program and he said, I can quit heroin, but I cannot quit her. Right. And that was and a that, light bulb for me of how this is a disease you have for the rest of your life.
0: It is. It is. And I tell men all the time, it's easier to identify as a sex addict than it is for you to see just how needy you are. Yeah. And, and the fact of the matter is the mantra in that man's head is please connect with me and make me whole.
1: Do you think that, that's the, like society adds...
0: Oh, 100%. This is not new. I mean, the program started in 1979. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Dr. Karnes wrote Out of the Shadows in 1983. Bill Wilson wrote the AA Big Book in 1938. And on page 68 and 69, he he says, now about sex. Oh, yeah. And he writes a whole page (laughs) where he says, who did I hurt? Who did I make jealous? You know, And, and he says, and then we got it all down on paper. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that which was, is which, which is so much fun.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, it's like getting <laughs> poked in the eye with a stick. Yeah, over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> For sure, and 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 so you know, at the end of the day, this is not new. When I tell, I say it all the time. I, I I've done a lot of workshops all over the country in front mm-hmm. of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and when I'm doing these workshops. I want to make perfectly clear that this isn't some newfangled kind of concept, you know, a new agey thing. And I go back to the greatest play ever written in English, which was 500 years ago, which was Romeo and Juliet.
1: Well, you know, that play has like affected me my entire life. And I, did you know that?
0: I'm not surprised, (laughs) but think about this. They meet, fall in love copulate and die in four days.
1: (laughs) Well four days. It's so funny you said that because in my book that's coming out, I talk about the one of the first movies I saw was Romeo and Juliet, the one with Michael White in it. Oh yeah,
0: I remember it.
1: Yes. I saw that as a young six six year old girl and I remember thinking Love, that's what love is. It has to be so passionate that one person has to at least stab themselves or the other person has to drink poison right. for it to be real.
0: Really. Like- and the, and, right, and the, the piece of it is, when you think about it, he wrote that 500 years ago. Yeah. yeah. This is not new. And, and it's pervasive. So we could go to Harvey Weinstein We could go to Matt Lauer. We can go to the Me Too movement. It's not new. Mm -hmm. None of this is new. People are getting caught. That's what's new. Women are getting a voice. Thank God. It's about time. Thank God, yeah. The casting couch was alive and well in your industry in the 1930s and the 1940s. It's not a new concept.
1: Yeah. I mean, I hear you and I know that. I mean, I live in Los Angeles, one of the biggest areas for sex and love addicts. I go to set and I see them. They're everywhere, (laughs) you know? And the beautiful thing is we all look so different and we come from such different backgrounds, but we, we can all connect on a visceral level of. And
0: and that's what it said. That's what I said. Please connect with me and make me whole.
1: Yeah. But I have a question for you just for the listeners. What was that bottom moment for you before you walked into
0: the rooms? Okay. That bottom moment was, uh, it was two of them. Uh, One was on December 1st, 1990, when five Houston police officers walked in my house on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. My three-year-old son was sitting on my lap. We were watching cartoons. My then wife and my five-year-old were sleeping. They came in. They arrested me, they handcuffed me, and they took me away. (gasps) Why? Now, here's the interesting thing is, as I'm being ushered out of my very nice house Mm -hmm. in a very nice neighborhood, I'm looking around to see if any of the neighbors are up at 7 a.m. in the morning on Saturday. Right. That's what I was thinking. How crazy is that? You, you care about like it?
1: the image instead right? of what was actually right. happening.
0: Right. You, you can save your ass or you can save your face. And I was, I was so connected to saving my face. So I, 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 I got arrested. I got taken to jail. I had one phone call. I called my attorney. Mm-hmm. He moved heaven and earth. And he got me out of there within 24 hours. Lucky lucky (laughs) now at that time i'm walking out of the county jail in houston that's the fourth largest city in america and i'm a quasi celebrity in houston and i'm saying god i hope there's no press waiting for me outside this door and they open the door and i walk out and there's nobody there and i said i made it (sighs) i got it now my wife was going to be pissed but I could manage that. Mm-hmm. See? And that's how I thought. Now, what I didn't know is that one of the jailers knew me. He knew me because he was a high school referee. Oh. And I spent my life in high school basketball gyms looking for talent. So to put it in perspective, I saw Shaquille O'Neal play mm-hmm. when he was 14 years old. Wow. That's what I did for a living. You know, I thought I'd beat it. And, of course, I had a court date. And the court date was on the 12, on the uh, 11th of January.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I went right about my business. Now, my wife then, she threw me out. You know, she did all the things that a, a betrayed wife would do. Good for her. <laughs> Good for her. Good for her, 100%. 100%. Um, it was such a shit show that... That, you know, that month. And um, i my lawyer, uh, I had a high-priced attorney, mm-hmm. makes a deal with the DA. Now, the DA doesn't have a really good idea of who I am. He just thinks I'm some guy. Right. That's all he knows. And the day before I'm supposed to go to court, the Houston Chronicle comes out with a story about me with my picture on the front page. Front page. Yeah. And my whole history is in that story. And the DA takes the deal off the table.
1: But what does the headline say?
0: It said, Jay Parker, talent scout, arrested on a morals charge. Ooh. That's what it said. And that newspaper. So to show you how crazy my brain was, My lawyer called me for so for 10 for all that time. Um, I was afraid of the media because I I knew all the newspaper people. I Mm -hmm. knew I had a radio talk show, it was the largest radio talk show west of Mississippi, except for FAN in LA, you know. And I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop, and I I think I got it. And then my lawyer calls me at two o'clock in the morning on the morning of January 10th, and he says, I can't stop the article from coming out. It's coming out. And he gave me an old cliche from a Timex watch commercial from 50 years ago. He said, Jay, you're going to take a licking, but you're going to have to keep on ticking. Oh, I love it. that's what he said to me. And my idea was, I'm going to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going to steal all the newspapers.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. An addict's mind. (laughs) An addict's mind.
0: So a city of 2 million people I'm going to steal all the <laughs> newspapers and see you know, like out. running to a
1: hair salon like <laughs> grabbing their newspaper and running out I, I,
0: you know I actually tried to steal the newspapers on my block oh my I, god I and I just I just started to cr- scream and cry and, then, and it's like I can't stop this not a blessed thing is that A guy who picked up that newspaper that day and opened it up uh, was a guy named John Lucas. Mm -hmm. John Lucas is currently the assistant coach of the Houston Rockets, had been a head basketball coach, was the number one pick in the NBA draft in 1974, and I knew John well. John went down three times because of drugs and alcohol and blew up an NBA career, and his response ultimately was to get sober and start a treatment program for basketball people.
1: That's wonderful.
0: And, he, and he's still doing it today. And John called me up and he said, Jay, come to treatment. And I said, no. <laughs> and he chased me from the 11th of January until March 1st, 1991, when I finally acquiesced and went into treatment. Now, the irony of the story is, is that, uh, so the court, so I had a court date and then we got a, once the article came out and the DA took the the deal off the table, we got a continuance and the continuance was for February. And now every, the word's out. So I'm expecting all this media at the, at the courthouse. And, ah, it's like, I'm freaking out. See, one of the things I loved about your story, and Mm -hmm, that's what I wrote mm -hmm. to you, was that you chose to come out.
1: Yeah, which I never planned on doing ever in my entire
0: life. But but you did it. Yeah. And I didn't get to decide who knew and who didn't and when and when not. That was taken from me. Yeah. So did the lady in the dry cleaners know? Did my mechanic know? Did my neighbor know? Probably all of the above. Ding, ding. All of of the above. (laughs) What I thought was the worst day of my life when that article came out actually turned out to be the best day of my life. Yeah. Because it set me free. Completely.
1: And that's what I I have to tell you is the best moment when that article came out. I thought the world was going to stop and everybody was going to react and nothing happened.
0: Right. Except such you're a beautiful, now.
1: Yes, it was such a beautiful moment. You're,
0: you're free. I didn't know it was going to be a blessing. You know, who who knows, knows, who doesn't know, doesn't know. I could care less because I'm free. Yeah. You're And when John finally walked me into the treatment program, and I, and I shared this with you from the parking lot, I got to tell you, walking from the car into the treatment center, there was a sign over the treatment center, I read it three times, and I did not get it. And the sign <laughs> said, the same man will drink again. Mm. And I did not get it. I got it when it came out 30 days later, because a changed man won't drink again. Exactly. same man will. And as he's walking me in, underneath that sign that says, the same man will drink again, John looks at me and says, you're only as sick as your secrets. Mm-hmm. Be as honest as you can. It's your only shot you're ever going to get. And at that point, my wife had said, adios. Don't let the door hit you in the ass. Yep. Don't go into treatment for me. And um, <laughs> and John, knowing what the dope fiend I am, told me that he would give me $30,000 worth of treatment for free. That's amazing. Yeah. And he said, but I will not testify in court for you. I want you to go to treatment because you want to get better. There's no hook. And that's what it took me from January 11th to March 1st. I needed even more research and development. And I got it. Because mm-hmm. it's a disease that doesn't quit. It do not care who you are. No, no, it doesn't you know, care. Equal opportunity. And John said, you're only as sick as your secrets. And walking in that treatment center, it was excruciating, painful. Mm-hmm. Um, they tailor-made it, I drink and drug and whore, but not today.
1: I love that.
0: <laughs> because I have to, in, in AA meetings, I have to say all three. In NA meetings, I have to say all three. In SLA meetings, I have to say all three. Otherwise, I could hide Yeah, and I can't afford to hide.
1: And I want to go back to you saying you we're only as sick as our, our secrets. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. Yeah, it's and great. The moment you were in that treatment center and you surrendered your disease of secrecy and living this second secondary life is what I like to call it. Did when every time one of those secrets went away, what did that feel like for you?
0: Well, I you know I'm mean, in a scared shitless face in it, obviously. Obviously. It was, it was secrets I thought I'd take to my grave and and the the more you know in treatment, it's such a a cocoon. it's not realistic, you know you're in there with people you didn't choose to be in there with. Um, and you're totally safe. And so what you learn is when you give up a piece of that and that community just loves you because I'm expecting them to throw a chair at me or mm-hmm. vote me off the island, one, one or the two or both, and all I'm getting is love yeah. and affirmation and, and, and hearing people say to me, you have a, you're not a bad man, but you have a bad disease. That was so amazing to me. The first time I heard that.
1: And that's what I actually say to my sponsees and people. I said, you can tell me anything and I won't judge you because I've either either done it or I've heard it. So you you cannot shop.
0: (laughs) Well, you thought about doing it. Exactly. (laughs) And I tell people all the time that when I was in active addiction, I could do any behavior between being caught with a live boy or a dead girl. I could probably make that work. My brain could probably justify
1: so, it in your brain. I could
0: justify it. You know, my brain was so sick. Um, and and the, <laughs> so uh, the liberation is just amazing.
1: So I always like to attach these kind of secrets, these kind of lifestyles of addicts that we have to the seven deadly sins. Not in the religious sense, more in the character defects. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I'm going to name sure. them for me. And then you tell me which one of them ring true for when you were living in your secrets and why. So we got pride, greed, lust.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, we need to do one at a time. I'm glad we need to do it. Uh, I was driven by lust. Mm-hmm. I was driven by lust. And the AA Big Book says that our biggest fear about going to recovery is losing what you have or not getting what you want. Mm-hmm. And I lived in both spheres. I was going to lose what I had and I wasn't gonna get what I wanted. So I was driven by lust, but I also know, and because I spent so much time in AA, in an AA Big Book, because it's really the fundamental of SLA, and in the SLA Big Book, nine different times they re- referred to the AA Big Book. Oh, yeah. And and it says in the AA Big Book that alcohol is but a symptom, and you have to get down to causes, and conditions and the lust was a symptom just like the pride was a symptom
1: Mm -hmm, the ego It wasn't
0: pride it was false pride Mm -hmm. you know i I tell people today for all the times you heard michael jordan be interviewed did you ever hear him say i'm the greatest basketball player of all time and the answer is no because he doesn't have to say it other people say it for him and that's the truth what about greed uh the greed was one is too many and a million is not enough. <laughs> four, four on graduation day, Are you I me? know <laughs> that would Ooh. be gl- that would be gluttony too, a little it bit. Glut- <laughs> For sure, and 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 so they were all entwined in this very distorted view. While externally, I was making had a six figure income. I had a radio talk show. I got a $50,000 a year shoe contract with LA Gear. I mean, I'm I'm out there and yet that was my day job and then I had a night job. Right. And my number one job is to make sure they didn't collide. And that eventually it's always a Yeah, they, they, they always, always collide.
1: do. That web we weave it always right. But I do have another question. So we have anger also. I like to look for myself at my past. Do you know, have you looked at why those behaviors
0: were developed? 100%. I, I grew up with a narcissistic mother and who wanted to control everything of me. And the first thing I figured out she couldn't control was what I did with my penis. Right. She could not control that. She could flush my stash down the toilet. (laughs) When <laughs> she found my stash, but she couldn't control what I did with my penis. And it was causes and conditions. Right. And, um, and at the end of the day, the mask, uh, I, 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 like most addicts, I came with armor. So if you met me in real life, pre-recovery, you'd find me funny and charming and engaging. Because and, that's how people saw me. Yeah. Under it all. Under it all. Yeah, I was really hurt. And the truth is, hurt people hurt people. And that's what I did. And, you know, everybody who steps into any kind of 12-step program, even if they only come once, they come because they're broken. Yeah. The key is not whether you're broken. The key is, can you allow yourself to be broken open? That's the key.
1: Amen, brother. Because I came in and I thought, man, I am broken. I am missing that gene that makes me want to be fully committed to another human being right when i got down to the nitty-gritty it's humans terrify me the intimacy terrified me and i didn't have the tools nope to know how i didn't get the tools from my parents right to have a healthy relationship
0: right it wasn't modeled exactly you know we learn what we learn and yeah they did the best they could with who they were and i get that and you know, I've worked through all those, those issues and, um, and I've made amends and I've gotten to a place of forgiveness. Yeah, me too. We talk about forgiveness a lot in the program. And if you ask John Q. Normie out there to give you a definition of the word forgiveness, everybody, it's a common um, uh, English word. It's not an obtuse word. And, and yet when you pin people down for what forgiveness means and if they don't attach it to sin, or religious-osity, <laughs> They really struggled coming up with a practical definition mm-hmm. of forgiveness. And I had to work real hard and I've been blessed to have a great sponsor and he helped me see and come up with a definition of forgiveness.
1: Oh, I can't wait to hear it.
0: The, my definition of forgiveness is having come to a resting place of not of having had a better life. Wow. That's the truth.
1: And who do you think, you know, before you forgave and you let go, right? Who do you think these secrets harmed the most?
0: Well, they harmed me. We Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and even though I succeeded outwardly, yeah, I had a trophy wife and two beautiful children in a big house, and but that
1: you know, shit does not fill you, is what you're saying, yeah?
0: No, no, not not enough, not enough. And I cried when my beamer got repoed and my house got <laughs> foreclosed, and blah 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 blah. It's just another, you know, drunkolog story, no different from anybody else's. And um, but at the end of the day, the damage I was doing to me, I I, I was ripping up my soul.
1: Yeah, and I just at that moment you just know, I, I'm am I going to do this for the rest of my life, right? Or am I going to actually? My thing was that if am I going to do this the rest of my life, or am I going to go on my deathbed and not com- be connected to another right. human being? That to me was more terrifying.
0: One hundred percent. And so I said I went into treatment on March first, nineteen ninety one. Mm-hmm. It's easy to assume that's that's my recovery birthday. I went in there on March first, nineteen ninety-one, and my my recovery birthday is March 9th. And and so, what happened on the ninth is that I had a moment of clarity. I had a, a spiritual awakening. Mm. Now, I, I I can I can jokingly call it a come to Jesus moment, even though it wasn't in that classic sense.
1: I call it like a God shot, a God
0: shot, and and it was like, if not now, when. Look at your life. You got a felony hanging over your head. Your wife went away. Your career went away. Your money went away. Your car went away. Your house went away. And you're in an inpatient treatment center. If now, now, when? Mm. And I just said, I give up. Ah, that's such a beautiful moment. And I adopted a line in my head that of course is the mantra of AA in most 12-step programs, but I had never been to a 12-step meeting, so I didn't know it. And I said, no matter what, no matter what, dog dies, wife leaves, house burns down. No matter what. Mm-hmm. I just can't do it again. Yeah, you were, and, sick, you were uh, sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> oh, 100%. And did I have slips and close? Yeah. Yeah. With a year and a half, I walked in t- I bellied up in a bar. I bellied up to the bar and ordered a shot of whiskey and put my money down. He served me. And I brought that shot up to my lips and my hand started to shake. <gasps> and I put it down. I slammed it down and I ran out. Wow. And I called my sponsor and I got to a meeting and I did another 90 and 90. So yeah, I've, I've had a lot of Kodak moments.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jay, for sharing your story and letting go of all those secrets that were killing you.
0: Um, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you, and I honor your work, and I can't wait to read your book. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, when my books came out, uh, it was very exciting, especially when the first one came out, because that was, a like you, it was a personal story. Yeah. Um, and uh, the second one was more about uh, what I do for a living, which is no more a year of no more secrets and it's huge. the world needs more people to be brave and I commend you especially for a woman, uh, especially you. for women and especially in your industry uh, in a public eye i I give you big props
1: thank you sir
0: and if you ever want to visit. Give me a holler.
1: (laughs) Okay. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thank you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note. And you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com.